again be preaching on uh, pornography, and so if you'd like to to walk out with your children, you're welcome to do so. And if if anybody who's standing, if if folks, we have this opportunity where we're waiting, if you kind of want to scoot in, don't take somebody's spot who just got up, but we have some some spots to, to fill in in the congregation, it'd be great. Let's pray. Come Holy Spirit. Come Lord, we give you permission to do whatever it is you desire. Make our minds and hearts and souls fertile soil for your gospel, that your word may bear great fruit in our life. Illuminate these scriptures, illuminate these mysteries for us, reveal to us the face of Christ. Convict and console our hearts. Speak, for your servants are listening. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Lord, it is good that we are here. It's a pretty significant understatement. Here they are on Mount Tabor, where Christ is being transfigured. Where they are seeing, pouring forth through his human nature, through his body, the glory of God the manifestation of the Son of God pouring forth through his very human nature. And Peter rightly says, and extremely understated, Lord, it is good that we are here. Yeah, Peter, it is way more than good that we're here. What what this is manifest here is, you know, in one practical way, Jesus is giving them an appearance of his divinity, so that as they see him crucified and, and he's buried, that it gives them hope right in the midst of this despair of what's happening. But also, Christ is manifesting his glory, but also manifesting who we are meant to be in him. The Second Vatican Council said clearly, directly, what the church has always taught. It says that Christ fully reveals man to himself. Right? Christ fully reveals us who we are meant to be as sons and daughters in the Son, created in God's image and likeness. That if we look to who we are, many times we, we, we look at, at our sinfulness or our imperfections and we say, oh gosh, you're like, well, that's just human nature. Well, actually our sin and, the, and our concupiscence and the inclination towards sin is fallen human nature. But the Lord created us in his image and likeness. And Christ has come to restore that in us. And so the, what they are seeing manifest on Mount Tabor is not only the glory of God in Jesus' humanity, but what we are meant to be and what we are meant to see in other people. Like we are meant, as our, as our conversion grows more deeply, for the beatitude of Jesus says, Blessed are the pure of heart, for they shall see God. That we shall see the Lord present in each other. Because we are in his image and configured more deeply to his likeness. Now today, I mentioned we're talking about pornography, and pornography actually does the exact opposite of that. St. John Paul II says a statement, and that, that the statement can almost be a little bit shocking, like what is he saying, but we'll understand it here. He says, the problem with pornography is not that it shows too much of the person 
but that it shows far too little. I'll say this again, St. John Paul II. The problem with pornography is not that it shows too much of the person, but that it shows far too little. Right? The focus of it is not the human being. It doesn't reveal to us like, oh, this is someone's son. This is someone's daughter. This is a brother or a sister. This is a human being who is worth being treated with honor and dignity and respect. But what we see is, no, this is an object. These are some body parts that I want to use for my pleasure. Pornography teaches us to look at other people as objects for our pleasure and not persons who deserve to be loved. And this is not just the church's teaching. This is actual brain science. So if you've never been on the website fightthenewdrug.org, you should go. It's completely unaffiliated from any religion. And it is just pure brain science about the effects of pornography on the brain. And they have this, one of their articles, How Porn Kills Love, on fightthenewdrug.org. Here's a quote. Princeton psychologists performed a study showing a group of men pictures of men and women. The psychologists monitored their medial prefrontal cortex, which is involved in recognizing human faces and distinguishing one person from another. So this is the experiment. They're showing these guys pictures of men and women, and they're monitoring the part of their brain, the medial prefrontal cortex, which is the part of the brain that recognizes a human face and, and recognizes that this is another person. So this is what they're monitoring as they're showing these images. So he says, for the most part, the medial prefrontal cortex was activated with each picture. However, when the subjects of the study were shown the pictures of scantily clothed people, it was not activated. Basically, the automatic reaction to their brains suggested that they didn't perceive the over-sexualized people as fully human, just as a body, a sum of parts. Wow. The brain. And when we're looking at images that are meant to be provocative in that way, be they explicit pornography or not, then, then the brain has trouble recognizing that that's a person. That the, the, the initial response, at least, and maybe the continued response, unless, unless we engage, right, is that this is just an object to be used for my pleasure and not a person to be loved. And if we continue to do this, right, it teaches us, right? Porn teaches us this. The church will talk about, like, habitually doing this will create in us a pornographic gaze, that I begin to look at people with a pornographic gaze. I begin to have a habit of, of objectification, that I'm not looking at persons, but I'm looking, in a certain sense, at this person is an object in some way. And for my use. I, I know I'm probably saying nothing that's a surprise to you, but it's just the truth. And, and in this, 
you know, an incredible thing is like when we begin, when we grow in a particular virtue, it helps us grow in all virtues. Like if I grow in patience, then it also helps me grow in generosity and I grow in love and all these things. It's like when I grow in temperance, in a certain sense, I grow in temperance in all aspects of my life because that's, that's the nature of virtue. When I grow in vice, it also spreads out into other areas of my life. So if I'm objectifying people sexually, then I'm habitually beginning to objectify people in other ways. My coworkers, my employees, the people I'm around. Like, do I care or treat, about, treat them as persons? Do honor, dignity, and respect, or am I just using them in some way for my own benefit? Teaching us this, right? St. John Paul II also says, the opposite of love is not hatred, but use. Right? Because even hatred, on some level, hatred, like, it's not good. He's not saying it's a good thing, <laughs> Just talking about how bad use is. In hatred, I at least acknowledge that you're another person. But in use, I dehumanize you. You're not even on the level of personhood. But you become an object. Some statistics. This is from the Barna Group study in 2014 and 2016. So the following percentages of, this is, there will be men and then women who say they view pornography at least once a month. So in men, age group 18 to 30-year-olds, at least once a month, 79%. 31 to 49-year-olds, at least once a month, 67%. 50 to 68-year-olds, 50%, 49%. It's, wow, kind of staggering. Um, Then again, it's not just a male problem. So women, this is self-reporting. They view pornography at least once a month. 18 to 30-year-olds, 76%. Almost, almost the same as guys, right? Because you know what? This stuff is coming after us. Like the porn industry is actively trying to get us addicted. It is a billion and billion and billion dollar industry every year. The porn industry makes more money than Major League Baseball, the NFL, and the NBA combined, just in the U.S. Crazy. Crazy. So, again, and, and with, with, as women get older, it goes down a little bit because part of this, too, they're just talking about images. But not always, but traditionally for, for women, and, and the, the new media age has kind of changed that, that their preferred Pornography is more like chat rooms or books, you know? Read, read the books, uh, Fifty Shades of Grey. I mean, it's just pornographic, but, but through a story. So we just, like, have to be honest about this reality, and, like, it, and it touches us in so many ways, and it is addictive. If you go on the brain science, again, go on fightthenewdrug.org, that the brain science tells us that what happens in the brain when we view pornography is almost exactly the same to when you use cocaine and heroin. The same dopamine rush, like all the things that are going on in the brain is the same, except I'm not putting something in my body. I'm just looking at images. Same thing's going on. It's so addictive. And what they actually try to do, too, they like to target young people. Why? Because young people's brains are more susceptible to visual stimuli especially like kids. So the average age of first exposure is between 8 and 11 years old. 
8 and 11. And I bet the vast, the vast majority of you in here are not surprised because like, yeah, yeah, I'm kind of one of those 8 or 11. I'm one of them. And then we need to understand again, like again, and then they just, it, it's, it's the culture in this aspect is like coming at us in a really profound way. And there's a spiritual aspect of it as well too. Um, so, so parents, right, we have this booklet uh, in the back if you are a parent. Take it home. It's called Equip to try to create a safe haven in your home to prevent as best as possible uh, exposure. But also when exposure comes, like how do you have conversations? What do you talk about? All these um, really important stuff. Other, some other statistics here before we speak a little bit about just God's mercy, which is so amazing. Porn use in marriage, there's a, where, that, where that happens, there's over a 300% increase in fidelity. Infidelity. So where porn is, a 300% increase in infidelity. Porn use is a strong factor in over 50% of divorce cases in the U.S. It decreases sexual satisfaction and intimacy, decreases communication skills and conflict resolution. It increases depression and anxiety. It decreases self-esteem and self-worth, right? Like, especially for women in a really profound way, like, it's not real. It's not real. Like, how can I live up to that? It's not real. It causes people to isolate. It drastically increases loneliness. It causes erectile dysfunction. Why? Because, like, I get used to something that's not real. And, I just, and, I, and then I need more and more and more. And so when people, right, they started something simple. And then it's like, ah, the brain, like a drug, I need more of it. And I need it to be more hardcore. I need it to be more crazy. And then, you know what, then I start sexting. And then I start live chats. And then I'm like, this video, like, whoa. It just escalates quickly. And then, right, it, it, it cultivates the hookup culture where, like, sex with no relationship is not about the gift of the person and the beautiful sacrament of matrimony. It was meant to be this complete and total gift of self, this exchange, right, of, of love, the confirmation of the wedding vows, but, it, but it's just a use of the person and a use of myself. Again, lots of heavy stuff, but we just kind of need to name it. That's there. It's there. But the amazing thing is, is that God's mercy is bigger than all of it. Than all of it. There is not a single sin committed one time or a million times that God cannot forgive. Not at all. God's love for us is not based on our performance, like what we do, whether we're doing well or doing not, not doing well. And the truth is we need to be convicted about the sin. Like we need to be convicted about it because it's serious. But we also need to like push away the negative shame that wants to isolate us and draw us into the corner because that's the enemy trying to pull us away from the Lord's mercy. Just hide from him because you're a piece of junk and you're no good and God's not going to forgive you and you're worthless. Like that is not the Lord. That is not God. The Lord says, come to me, all you who labor and are burdened, and I will give you rest. St. Paul, clear, right? God died for us in the midst of our sin. So he proves his love for us in that way. So the invitation is not to run from the Lord and hide, but to come to him and open our hearts to him. And then particularly, if you were exposed at a young age, 
A lot of times we think like, gosh, man, God must hate me. No, you were a kid. You were a kid. So how does the Lord look at you? How does the Lord look at us like when, when this happens to us as children? With mercy, like his heart breaks because he knows how it's going to harm us. So his heart is hurting for us in those spaces. So we should never be afraid to run to him, to run to his mercy. So what are some practical things? One, the sacraments are huge. Confession is huge. The, the fact of it is, is that both porn and masturbation are grave matter. And so if I'm aware that it's a sin, I'm aware that it's grave matter, and I freely choose to do it, then it's a mortal sin, and I need to go to confession. I don't tell you this to make you feel terrible. I don't tell you this to put a weight on your back. But I tell you this so that your heart can be open to healing and freedom and mercy. Because the Lord wants us to come and experience the fullness of his mercy. And when we hold on to it, it just builds, right? It just builds. And, and, and if it's serious sin, then we, we're not in a state of grace. And so just come to him and expose your sin and expose your heart. I go to confession all the time. It's fantastic. Father Paul is actually the guy who hears my confession. Right? He can't tell you that, but I can tell you that. It's such a gift. Whatever it is, envy, pride, greed, lust, jealousy, just bring it to the Lord. Prayer is so important because like, one of the things that we're really seeking underneath this desire is communion, is real love. Like, I want to be loved for who I am, and I want to love in return. I want to be cherished. I want to be delighted in. I want people, like, I mean, think about it. In, in, the, in your head, in the fantasies, what's really going on there? Like, I'm super awesome, and you think I'm super awesome, and this is so great. Right? Underneath that is a longing to be loved and to be cherished and to be, to be enough and worthy. And it is in prayer where that is most deeply embedded within us and where we experience it. So prayer is essential, communion with the Lord. The other thing is like good, healthy friendships, good, healthy relationships. Part of why we run, people run, right, to this, this sin is because relationships can be hard. Like I have to learn to forgive. I have to ask for forgiveness. I have to be patient. I, I have fear of rejection and all these things. But if I can be in healthy friendships, then they teach me like, they love me when I'm imperfect, and I love them when they're imperfect. And whoa, this is really cool. But if, but if we're afraid of that and like not engaging in that, then we're running to fantasy world, and it actually just brings us to deeper isolation. So we need to engage in good, healthy friendships. Chastity. I gave a homily a few weeks back about win the moment. Like if I think right now, like, oh, my gosh, I got to be chased. That, that's crazy. I can't do that. Well, just don't think about the whole battle. Think about right now. This temptation. With the grace of God, win the moment right now. And that moment will strengthen us for the next. And then strengthen us for the next. And strengthen us for the next. Accountability, support groups, counseling, online programs, study the truth, the theology of the body through form.org. So many online resources. Cleanheart.online, Integrity Restored, Reclaim Sexual Health. Fight the new drug. We're going to put these on our website so that you will have opportunity for online resources to get information, whether it's like a, a program to work through online or connect with someone or information. Again, please, families, pick up the book uh, for your children out there. So to close this up, there's no wound too deep for God to heal. 
No wound too deep for God to heal. And when God does that in our life, it's like we experience a transfiguration. And our lives are different. And we see people different. Recently talked to a college student who was like, oh my gosh, since I'm really actively cooperating with grace and getting porn and masturbation out of my life, like I see people differently. And women have never been more beautiful. I'm like, yes, that is freedom. Keep going. I had a couple in my former parish, they told me that like, they were already good, good Catholics, but they really started to dive more deeply into their relationship with Jesus and dive more deeply into prayer and deeply into conversion. And um, so they're experiencing this conversion individually and as a couple. And so one day they sit their, their children down and the children in high school and college and like, okay, look, you don't want to hear this from mom and dad. I know. It's like, this is going to be an awkward conversation, but sit down. Like as we're growing in our faith, and as we're growing in intimacy with the Lord and with each other, our sex life has never been more uh, satisfying, has never been more rewarding than right now. It's because it's coming from a place of deep intimacy and knowledge of who they are in the Lord and who each other is. And yes, pleasure is good. It's a beautiful gift. It's awful. But if it's the primary thing, then we're missing the depth of what God desires and what he wants to give in the sacrament of matrimony, this exchange of persons, giving my life away. Because when it's not connected to that, it just brings junk. It just leads us in a bad space. St. John Paul II said, the problem with pornography is not that it reveals too much of the person, but that it reveals far too little. And we begin to objectify each other. Let us come before Jesus, receive his mercy and grace, contemplate his face, and get the junk out of our life. The things that we're looking at, the things that we're listening to, that's not of the Lord. That he may purify us. And that we will experience the beatitude of blessed are the pure in heart, and we shall see the Lord. And experience real freedom. When they left the mountain that day, he says right there, they looked up and all they saw was Jesus. As Jesus transfigures our hearts, then more and more when we look at people, we see Christ. And we love them that way. Come, Lord Jesus, and free us. When you come for the Eucharist today, pray the line in Psalm 51, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew within me steadfast spirit. And the Lord will bring us gradually cooperating with his grace, freedom that we didn't even know existed.